I'm Chuck. And I'm Buck. And this is the Buck and Chuck Gaming Connection. And today we are talking about the PS1 Classic. It's just around the corner. And we wanted to talk about what games we think definitely need to be on it that best represent Sony and their just amazing console that they released. Yeah, this isn't necessarily our uh, favorite games list for the PlayStation, but this is the ones we think are just uh, some iconic classics that, like Chuck was saying, just represent everything the PS1 was from, you know, 1995 to, I think, they had games coming out even like 02 or maybe 03. So it lasted a while. I say in Japan, they probably released them until 2012. <laughs> At least. But yeah, we can't fill this console up with just RPGs. Uh, I'm sure the hard drive could handle it, but they get, they're giving us two controllers with this bad boy. So if we're having two RPGs, I don't, I don't know how, what games we're going to be able to play. Yeah, two-player RPGs, unless we get those, uh, you know, Final Fantasy ports in there again. We were talking about last episode. Yeah, I was gonna say, was nine multiplayer on the PS1? I think it was. I don't think so, was it? I don't I feel know. like we may have actually made some progress, some more progress in nine if it's multiplayer. Doubtful, but we got to plug how much, <laughs> <laughs> how much we don't love that game and how it shouldn't be on this console. Every episode. <laughs> yeah. This console, the PlayStation Classic, is slated to come out December 3rd of this year, which is to mark the 24th anniversary of the PlayStation 1 releasing in Japan. So that's pretty cool. And this console, I think it's supposed to be 100 bucks when it comes out? Yeah, I think it's 99.99. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's 100 bucks and I mean for 20 PS1 games, that's a good deal. I agree as long as they pick the right ones. Well, that's true. But you also do get two controllers, you get the HDMI cable, all that good stuff, and you get like a is it 40% the reduced size or 40% the size of the original console? I don't know. But uh, you are getting 20 classic games, and they've already announced five of them. And those being Final Fantasy VII, Wild Arms, Ridge Racer IV, Tekken Three, and Jumping Flash. I mean, four of those are really good games. Especially three. I mean, Ridge Racer Four, I'm kind of on the fence about, but I could definitely see where it's, it deserves its place in the lineup there. But uh, and I'm assuming the other one you're bringing up is Jumping Flash. Which yeah. I don't think either one of us have actually played. Oh, I have definitely played it. Oh, okay. Um, my brother got the PS1 um, back for Christmas 95, got it that year, and it came with a sweet demo disc. The Underground? That might be it. I don't remember. I think that's what they were called back then. But yeah, it had uh, Jumping Flash was one of the demos on there. had Battle Arena Toshinden, which is probably my favorite. had this really crappy ESPN uh, game where you were like on roller skates and could punch each other, but only to the side, not in front or back. Cool. And, uh, yeah. Now, I remember the coolest thing on there was like the just the movie for Tekken. It's like, this game looks amazing. For the original, I assume. Yeah, the original Tekken. Right, well, I'm glad they picked three because it's way better than one. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Tekken 3. Tekken 3 still looks good, but... Well, it plays fantastically. Mm-hmm. I actually think I actually think all three of them play pretty well, but three's definitely the best. So basically, uh, during this episode, we just wanted to talk about what 20 games we think they definitely need to include on here, including some of these. Some of, some of these five games that they announced, we don't agree with them, that being Jumping Flash and probably Ridge Racer 4. Although, don't get us wrong, we understand the 
the legacy of what Ridge Racer means to Sony. I think there's other racing games on the system that deserve to be on there more. For sure, and we'll definitely get to those here in a little bit. But yeah, I mean, I can I can understand the argument. I'm not gonna you know grab my pitchfork and start burning things because Ridge Racer Four is on here. That's for sure. Yeah. And also another thing to consider, although I'm not sure we considered it too hard when we were making our list, is that the two controllers you get with this system do not have analog sticks, which, question mark, Sony, why did you do that? Yeah, I mean, I do remember, though, for the most part, though, most of my PS1 gaming career, I didn't have one of the the analog sticks, so I kind of understand it, but they didn't need to throw us back that far. No, and I think it... It'll definitely prevent them from putting some of the more unique experiences like Ape Escape on there, but also some of the some of the action games, some of the shooter games uh, would be probably more difficult to play without the sticks. It might be kind of frustrating, actually. Yeah, I mean, the controls, obviously playing something like Spyro the Dragon is going to control way better on a stick versus the D-pad. Spoiler alert, that's probably on here. Possibly. <laughs> actually, one thing before we get into the list, I actually wanted to bring up the list of launch titles for the PS1 when it came out in the U.S. I was looking at this list, and I was like, interesting. A lot of these games aren't great. <laughs> one that we already brought up is Battle Arena Toshinden. Actually, a pretty decent 3D fighter for the time, especially early on. Tekken definitely, Tekken and Virtua Fighter. Blew it out of the water, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, I mean, it looked really cool at the time, too. Like, that, my mind was blown by the way the graphics looked on. I was like, this looks amazing. We're used to everything being, you know, Street Fighter and 2D Fighters and Sprites or the terrible-looking Mortal Kombat, you know, 1 through 3 at the time. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I've, I've played a couple of them from that franchise, and they're not bad. They're just, they're just not the, at the top of the 3D Fighter list, to be sure. Yeah. We've got some other classics on there. We've got some sports games like NBA Jam Tournament Edition. We've got this weird game called uh, Kalik, the DNA Imperative. I, I have you know game. that Do you? Oh, Is it absolutely. Good? No, it's terrible, but it had this like super creepy horror movie trailer on that same demo disc we're talking about, and that made me buy the game. And I mean, they tried to like frame it like like Aliens, but it's it's just not good. But it's a cool-looking trailer. You guys should check that out at least. It creeped me out as, you know, like a, a eight-year-old <laughs> kid. So enough to, like, want to check this out and see what it was. Actually, now that you're describing it, I actually think I know what it is. Um, and, yeah, the review scores were not kind to this game. Mine wouldn't be either. Yeah. <laughs> now, see, we've also got uh, the Raiden Project, which is probably, I'm assuming that's one of the Raiden series. I don't, I don't remember that. I don't I don't either, but I see it on this list. And we also got the original Rayman, which is a good platformer. Yeah, definitely. Solid platformer. Yeah. The original Ridge Racer. And probably the worst one on this list by far, Street Fighter the movie. Oh my gosh. Yeah, why would you put that on your launch lineup? Ooh. I remember renting that game, it was atrocious. Mm-hmm. Only thing that's worse than the movie. I don't know. That's gonna be close. <laughs> <laughs> the movie has its has its charm. Going back to it now, but yeah, it's still super rough around the edges. Yeah, and Jean Claude Van Damme did not play a good guile. <laughs> no, not at all. 
Just Who in the world was Ken? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't Do you know. remember any of the other actors in that movie? I remember Jean-Claude Van Damme was Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> well, then he must have done the best job. I know, because the dude who played Bison of... is dead now. That's about all I know. Well, there you go. It's too bad. Oh, glad they're not bringing a sequel, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, so in saying that, I mean, there's a couple other games. There's like a tennis game and Total Eclipse Turbo, whatever that is. I don't remember. But the launch lineup, probably not that impressive, but, you know, a lot of consoles don't get released with much more than this. No, it might be better. I mean, what Saturn get launched with? Basically that really janky version of Virtua Fighter. They may have Panzer Dragoon Saga in there, though. I doubt that was a release. But they were just I, like, ta-da, we're out. Go buy it. They probably had, like, Panzer Dragoon on there as a release, not Saga. Oh, did I say Saga? Oh, sorry, yeah. yeah. I meant Panzer Dragoon. Okay. The first yeah. one. Yeah, that may have been. But I was like, Saga, that had I to think have been. I think it was. Saga later. came out in 98, so like, no, towards the end. In knowing this, we know that the PlayStation 1 had a lot of classic titles. goes down in infamy as one of the, the best consoles that I remember. Um, I, I don't necessarily think that time was great to, you know, obviously the graphics, the 3D polygonal nonsense that they were trying to pull during that generation does not age well at all. The funny thing is, like, at the time, we thought that was just, that was amazing. And these, like, beautiful 2D hand-drawn sprites that were around were like, ah, oh, no, give us this, like, super jaggy 3D, you know, Tomb Raider-looking models over this awesome 2D hand-drawn greatness. Yeah, no, I remember people playing, like, sports games from, from that era and just being like, oh, there's no way it can get better than this. It's like I'm watching <laughs> on TV. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> I mean, I was I was blown away by it then too. So I mean, that was just part of the the charm of the new console generations. But let's go ahead. Let's uh, let's hop into the 20 games that we think definitely need to be on this console. And the first one, I, I think without a doubt, it doesn't. It, I, I don't think we even need to defend it, and that's going to be Castlevania Symphony of the Night. What my favorite game of all time, without a doubt. And the only reason this may not be on the console is that it's getting a re-release on the 26th of October this year in its own collection with with it and uh, Rondo of Blood on the PS4. Yeah, I mean, that'd be the only reason if Konami's like, wait a minute, give us your money on this, not on that. So I could see this getting omitted, like you said, but I mean, for sure it deserves to be on there. It's one of the, the best games of all time. I mean, your favorite game of all time, and I feel like everyone kind of knows about it. It's why they call Metroidvania's Metroid puts the Vania in Metroidvania. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's one of those titles. If you if you look at a top hundred games of all time list, let's let's say it's just top hundred, it's going to be on pretty much every list you see. So I think that in its its own right, which a lot of games on this list are going to be would be on a list of that nature. I think just just the quality, the polish. Uh, and and the fact that Konami kind of reinvented the wheel, they kind of invented their own genre with this game, the Metroidvania, if you will. As I, I talk a lot of sugar on that pretty much every episode, <laughs> it being like my favorite genre of games. And this that, is why. <laughs> yeah, that can't be understated. In this game, setting the bar, I still think it's the best best one that's ever been made. 
they shot for the moon on this one, and they probably did more than they needed to do. So and this has been I, 21 years since it came out. It came out in uh, around October, September, October of 97. It's right around the time that I know um, Mega Man X4 and Final Fantasy VII were all coming out at the same time. It's Symphony of the Night. Another thing about Symphony of the Night, these graphics stand up. The fact that it was kind of 8-bit, or not 8-bit, I should, I should say <laughs> It's got 8-bit graphics, man. It's so good. <laughs> but no, just the, the, the pixel artwork. It's fantastic. It's aged very well, and there's very little like 3D effects going on, so it ages very gracefully. Yeah, I mean, you probably have. I would imagine somewhere in your place, you probably have some, you know, pixel art or beat art or whatever they call it of like Simon Belmont somewhere. Maybe I'm wrong. No, I definitely do. I do, and I also have a couple of wall scrolls for Symphony of the Night. I've got I've got my fair share of Castlevania artwork to go around. But I move too much, so it's not on the walls. <laughs> Unless Konami's like paying them off not to put it on here, I think it would be a shame if they didn't. Uh, the next one on the list, this is kind of a toss-up for us. We didn't know which one to include, and that's going to be either Resident Evil 2 or Silent Hill. Yeah, we just have a, a 2A and 2B here. Yeah, either one, there's a good argument. And I think both of them definitely deserve to be on here, but I don't think we need more than one survival horror game if they're going to include just 20 games on this console. Yeah, I mean, I would have said RE2, but now we have the RE2 remake coming out in January, and I don't feel like Silent Hill, basically, it's another Konami series that they... uh, was a great series, they pretty much killed off now because Pachinko Machines and Yu-Gi-Oh! are life, but... Hopefully, they'll get back to it at some point. Actually, a demo for a Silent Hill uh, PS4 game at one point. And then just stopped development on it and took the demo down. Apparently, like, PS4s can go for half-decent money if they still have a Silent Hill demo installed on them, which is kind of crazy in my book. But, you know, people are willing to pay for it. No, absolutely. And I think Silent Hill, pretty much a a Sony-only franchise, that's, that's an argument towards it. Up until, like, I think, like, the Nintendo Wii may have been the first time a Silent Hill game wasn't only on a Sony I actually think the Xbox may have had... Oh, yeah, it had three. Or four, sorry. It had four, the room. Uh, But, I mean, Resident Evil 2, uh, it got released on the 64 and the PlayStation 1. Did it also get released anywhere else? I don't... I mean, it probably probably PC at the time, I would guess. I don't know. I doubt it. Maybe not. I actually have it on 64, but yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure I'm about the only one that has it on 64, and I think it's actually fairly rare on that. Yeah. No, it is. And I, you know, an argument for them putting Resident Evil 2 on here might be to build a little bit of hype for the remake. I don't know. I don't think it needs any hype at this point. No, but I mean, I could actually see it. I could see it being included in here because, I mean, Konami's basically releasing the exact same game as Symphony of the Night, and Capcom is you know, just remaking from the ground up RE2. So, like you said, this could be a little bit on the hype train and not stealing thunder. I don't think it's any argument that Resident Evil 2 is just a better game. But they are they are kind of a, a different... They're, as they're both survival horror games, they both have a different tone to them. And I think they're both definitely unique experiences that anyone who enjoys the PlayStation 1, uh, they need to play them for sure. Yeah, I mean, Silent Hill started a... A great franchise. If anyone's ever played Silent Hill 2 on the PS2, I think kind of hits peak there. But, yeah, and RE2 was just, uh, 
still an amazing game. So, yeah, definitely check both those out. Yeah, well, I'm going to have you introduce number three, your boy Mega Man. All right, well, number three was uh, one of the main reasons that I played anything PlayStation back in the day in 97, and that is Mega Man X4. And I remember I still have a lot of game magazines back then just hyping it. Didn't get as much hype as it deserved because there was uh, Symphony Night and Final Fantasy VII coming out around the same time. But, yeah, X4, I mean, definitely made the next-gen leap for sure. It took the graphics there to the next level. Um, the sprites still look amazing in my opinion. It was the first time you could play a Zero for the entire game. I mean, it was really cool to be him in X3, but you couldn't uh, fight any bosses with him except the one secret boss you could kind of um, get killed by him and get a saber. But go through the whole game with Zero. It even has a story that's not... It actually makes a little bit of sense, which is kind of crazy for a Mega Man game. So, man, that would get game was... Woof! Was my dreams were coming true as a little 10-year-old buck. The game was epic. Now, yeah, you I played would, a decent amount, too. Yeah, no, I love X4. It's definitely... It may be... I, I don't know, I really like uh, X and X3, but X4 was definitely a great uh, a leap in graphical fidelity. I really like the, the art stylization on that one. Uh, the game definitely played... I don't want to say it played any faster, because I think that they kept pretty much the same speed and pace, because they pretty much nailed it with the first game. Yeah, but, I think they just kind of made things look a little more epic, because your characters were a lot smaller in contrast. They could have some of the other enemies just look huge. And then it was cool with with X and Zero there, they actually had different power-ups. Like from beating bosses, Zero would get different moves, and X would just get power-ups. So that yeah. was neat too. Yeah, Zero was, was cool, because he was almost like a fighting game character, because you got different inputs that you could... Uh, perform for his moves, but he also had a couple of, of sub-weapons, kind of like X, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he definitely did. I mean, they had... Yeah, you could have, like, one of the moves was, I remember, down in triangles, like an ice block that you had to use on the the Manta Ray dude. I don't remember his name off the top of my head. Just the level design in that game was really good. Just It was pretty much about... I think that's when the X games hit their stride and they didn't really take too many steps back after that, minus X7, but yeah, X4 is probably in my top ten games ever. That game is amazing. Let me know, and X6 was definitely a step back, too. It was a step back. It wasn't like an X7 step back. No, you're right, but it kind of started the slope downward. They made some questionable design decisions on that one. <laughs> they definitely did. Yeah. Yeah, but X4, there's, there, there's no question it should be on this console. The best Mega Man game on the on the console, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, easy, easy best Mega Man game on the console. Right, number four. I got to give it to Alundra. Uh, I think a game that probably not necessarily a lot of people know about, but it's literally like Sony's version of Zelda. Even and though I would argue really it's good. better. I would argue yeah. it's better. Um, great hand drawn graphics. It's got that. The overhead camera work going, solving a lot of puzzles. My God, those puzzles were hard. I that guess we should say uh, 2D Zelda too. It's not not 3D Zelda. This is before that. This came out like '96, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. I just assume you're right whenever you say those. <laughs> whenever you say a date, I just assume it's right. It's usually pretty spot on. Yeah, uh, I think I played more of this game than you did. I actually finished it. it yeah, a miracle. I, I didn't because, like you said, the puzzles were. 
you know, make you want to pull your hair out sometimes. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why they designed some of these so to be so frustrating. But um, jumping was a big component in this, which hasn't been a really a big component in Zelda since uh, Link's Awakening, which was great in that one. But mm-hmm. um, I think the problem why it's kind of frustrating in this game, much like its predecessor, uh, Landstalker, on the Sega Genesis. Oh, it's way worse than Landstalker, though. Way worse. It it's way worse than Land. I thought you said it was way worse than Landstalker. No, like, no, no Landstalker's no. the epitome of terrible isometric jumping. Yes. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. That game's brutal. That game's way harder than a Lunder is. <laughs> but uh, no, the the game's it's really long. It's like a it's probably a thirty to forty hour really quality Zelda experience. It's got a really interesting story. Obviously, you play as a Lundra, and you your job is to go around. Like going into people's dreams and like defeating demons. So each person's dream is kind of like a different level. It's got a different kind of aesthetic to it. It's super interesting. I, I really enjoyed that game. And the story and I think it would be better like, than. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> Zelda have much of a story? Not because I feel like Link's Awakening again had a good one, but That's most true. of them now. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I also think it's just an, a unique uh, gameplay style. To have on the the console, if we can only put twenty games on, I think it's it's definitely a must have. Oh, I totally agree. I mean, that's yeah, it, it's another one that's still some of these we're gonna list won't hold up um, super well today. They're kind of iconic, but this one, Elantra, definitely still holds up and is still fun to go back and play today. Yeah, and that anime art style that it's got, beautiful. All right, the next one on the list, uh, I don't think anybody's gonna argue with this one, Twisted Metal Two. I don't, it didn't create the kind of car combat genre, but Twisted Metal 2 was the one it that brought it to the it. mainstream and perfected yeah. it, sure. And I actually, I never played a whole lot of this. Uh, I didn't play a whole lot of it until Black on the PS2. So I, I have, I own 2, and 2 is my favorite of the series, period. And I played a ton of 2 with uh, just some buddies back in the day, my brother and uh, some of his friends that we would play a lot of Twisted Metal 2, and that's another good one for the for two players and two controls on there. Because you can actually go through story mode with two players, which is really cool. That's true, I forgot about that. I actually think we did that one time. I'm pretty sure we did. I know, I always like picking Axel, which is a huge dude with his arms are strapped to two huge tires. He was pretty freaking cool. And I have no idea who I used. I don't even remember too many characters besides Sweet Tooth and isn't there a dude in a motorcycle? Yeah, there, there, there's like a cop in a motorcycle, I think. Yeah, I feel like I wouldn't pick something that generic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, it had a it had very dark, kind of mature game design to it. Yeah, dark story, characters, everything like that. And it was just, you could just, that's like old school thrown down with your buddies and just having a good time. It's like if Mario Kart... Battle Arena wasn't hardcore enough for you. This is what you needed. This was Sony's mature answer to that. Yes. And and they did a very good job. I, I don't know if I ever played the original, but I played 2 and 3, and 2 was somehow better than 3. Yeah, I really wish that they would come out with a new one. You'd think it would be something perfect, especially in the age of online, uh, get a new Twisted Metal out there. Yeah, did they come out with one on the 3? I'm not sure they did. They came, I th- they came out of the, like Twisted Metal Black Online maybe or some kind of Twisted Metal Online experience, but it wasn't. 
I remember I, it was like free on PS Plus one month, and I tried to get on, and there was like no one online, so I was like, this is stupid. Well, Black would be a good one to release. It was pretty solid, and it very much recreated the feeling that I had when I played 2. But yeah, I don't... I guess Sony doesn't want money. Apparently not, because you think that'd be a no-brainer. Maybe this will bring it back. Hopefully. The only reason I would might think they might not throw that on there is it would have to be rated mature, but Sony's not like Nintendo, so that shouldn't matter as much. And That's another it. game they'll have to have on this list, it'll be mature, so never mind. Yeah. Yeah, there's a couple of them. Was Resident Evil 2 mature? I feel like Silent Hill yeah. must have been. Resident Evil 2 was, and yeah. Silent Hill had to be, I would assume. So Yeah. yeah. They're not going to get away without a mature rating on this console unless they really cut its legs off a little bit. Yeah, they they might do that, but I we'll not. have to wait and see. Six and seven from our lists certainly won't. No. And I, I think we'll pretty much I'll announce these together. That's going to be Crash Bandicoot and Spyro, basically the two PlayStation mascots. Yeah. Now, I, think everyone... I, I never played a bunch of these games. When I played uh, the original PlayStation, I was pretty much all RPGs and fighting games for the most part. Well, you also played the PlayStation a little bit. Like, if you would have had the PlayStation and been playing it when these, right when these came out, I think you would have you would have played them more because you got a little bit older. I mean, you were probably you were like what, like seventh eighth grade or something. Well, I also got my platforming fix on the 64 because I got my 64 a uh, year or two before I got my PlayStation. Okay, so, yeah, so I was so I was stoked on Castlevania 64. So you know how. <laughs> how much my opinion on 3D platformers goes. Yeah. I played Donkey Kong 64 and loved it. I even beat though Donkey I Kong 64. I will probably never go back and play that game again. No. Not the best rare platformer of all time. I, I don't think there's like any arguments either way why neither one of these should uh, be on the list. Um, I know, Buck, you said that you thought Crash Bandicoot 3 should be included because it was your favorite. Yeah, I think the, a lot of just the community in general likes 2. I mean, 2 and 3, really, they're all really solid games. And, I mean, 3, I think, has the most varied levels. I remember um, riding around on the little your little polar bear buddy on some of the levels going through. There's just a lot of different um, types of levels and design, and they're all, they're all fun. There's not just some crappy levels. I know the first crash introduced that those levels where you run toward the camera, which were... Pretty unique and cool at the time. Have some cheap deaths because you just run your straight to a hole. But yeah, Crash at the time and hit me. It it came out and I don't remember if it was ninety five or six, but I want to say it was probably ninety six. And I mean, I was like, it was because it was a year. It was at least six months after the console released, which it yeah, released in towards the end of ninety five. I think. September. Yeah, it came out in like uh, fall or winter in ninety six. I know we got it for Christmas ninety six, and being like nine years old at the time, it's like the perfect time to get, you know, a mascot or have a, play a mascot platformer. That's why I think if you would have gotten it just a few years earlier instead of when you were like you know thirteen, fourteen, we weren't really as into the mascot platformers by that point. No, that's that's true, and I think Crash Bandicoot was actually a pretty good, pretty reasonable answer to the Donkey Kong series for Nintendo. That was really the closest they ever got. Yeah, I mean, I would say that. Not. I mean, I, I I mean it's they're not exactly the same. Don't get me wrong. No, but. I personally don't like it near as much as Donkey Kong Country, but I know my wife absolutely adores both Crash and Spyro. We got the 
Insane Trilogy today came out and um, both played that together and had a lot of fun. Some infuriating level design controls in that one, but overall still a great game people should pick up. And then definitely excited for the Spyro collection coming up here in just a month or so. Yeah, I think it comes out. Yeah, almost exactly a month from now. I think it's the Reignited Edition or something. Yeah, that'll be a, a day one purchase for sure because it's uh, my wife's favorite series of all time. So well, definitely going to be diving into that. Yeah, Spyro's just pretty much a collectathon, as far as I'm aware. Oh, it is. It's like it's basically a rare game. If anyone's played a rare 64 game like a Banjo Kazooie or even Mario 64, anything like that. That's pretty much what you're getting with Spyro, and that's it's not a bad thing. I mean, there's a lot of charm in the game, and the level design's really good. Things are well done versus, or minus a few of the, like, the stages where you go through on a set shooting path, which can get kind of infuriating. You have to collect all the whatever kind of trinkets or hit trains and stuff in a certain set amount of time. But other than that, yeah, those are. It's a phenomenal game. It should definitely deserve to be on the list, and everyone should check it out. Yeah, I think Sony would be out of their minds to not include both of those on this console. I think both of them are different enough that they should both be included. All right, yeah. we'll go. We'll go ahead and move on. Uh, the next one we agreed was going to be G Darius because we needed a shmup on there. There wasn't a ton of them on the PlayStation One. But uh, G. Darius uh, won us over. I think it's one of Buck's probably most played shmups of all time. Probably the most played. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's uh, it's co-op, and it's got it's actually got a pretty unique system to it that a lot of shmups don't have. Could you like capture like other like enemy spaceships capture... and they could fight for you for a while? Yeah, you could capture any enemy. So basically. Uh, your regular fire was, like, locked to square. You had some specials on triangle, and if you hit X, you shot this little orb out, and that would actually um, capture an enemy, and they would fight on your side. Like, you could only do this basically... You could even get basically any one period. So, like, you could get bosses at the end. You'd have to capture them. There'd be a certain time period, like, right before they actually blew up, after you pretty much defeated them. You'd go ahead and shoot the ball out and capture them, and then, like, you could bring the next level, the boss from the last level, to basically wreck everything. And then, like, if you ever want to get rid of the enemy you currently have, you also you just hit the X button, and then they just they self-destruct, and it's, a like, basically the equivalent of a screen-clearing bomb in most shmups. So, G-Darius was awesome, and there was several different paths to go through, so you don't just go through the exact same thing every time. You can decide how easy or hard you want it to be, or based on the skill level of your partner there, what kind of path you want to go down. So, no, I've probably beaten that game probably 30 different times. Yeah, no, it's a lot of fun. We had some other shmups that we were considering putting on this list, and that's the one that we, I think we've both played the most, and that's kind of the direction I want Pokemon to go at this point. I want to be able to capture Pokemon and explode them. That'd be nice. Sounds pretty exciting. <laughs> Uh, but another honorable mention that I thought about putting on there was uh, Einhander. Uh, it was made by Square, and it was a it was a more three dimensional side scrolling shooter, and it had some unique elements to it. But neither one of us had put enough time into it to really have a strong opinion on it. But I know a lot of people like it, and it's kind of it's one of the more expensive games on the console. So 
for that reason, it would be uh, good to have it on this collection. I mean, that's one reason, like you said, I'd like to have it on there. I'd like to just be able to play it, and then it's like you said, it's expensive. I'm not going to shell out the money for it these days, so it'd be cool to get a couple games on here that we don't own. So Yeah, but I, the biggest reason we didn't put Einhander on here was it's not multiplayer. And if they're giving you two controllers with this console... Uh, they definitely need to include it. I think at least half of these games probably tried to, need to try to be two-player, even though I think that's going to be a tough sell. Yeah, there was so many good single-player games on PlayStation. Yeah, absolutely. Now, 64, and, when they do like the 64 Classic or Mini or whatever they're going to call it, it's going to be all multiplayer. <laughs> yeah, that, well, that'll, that'll be easier, I think, to pick. That'd be easier to pick 20 games. Yeah, I don't it, think I could... I think I'd have a hard time finding 20 games. Well, I don't know. I doubt it. There's <laughs> not as many good games on the 64. I That's definitely didn't know as many games. Yeah. So next on our list, Final Fantasy VII. We have to agree with Sony's choice there. I mean, it's it's the pinnacle of, of RPGs on the Sony PlayStation. Uh, we talked about it last episode. Buck, it was your number one game. It easily could have been mine. I, mean, I actually started replaying it. Wild Arms, so. Yeah. Yeah, I actually started replaying it yesterday. Oh, wow. Uh, I put about four hours into it. Had a blast, like I remembered. Um, I don't think that Sony needs to include Wild Arms on this collection. As, as much as I hate to say it, it's my favorite RPG on the console, but I don't think that... I think there's plenty of games that represents the PS1 better than Wild Arms would. Which is my only argument there, and I'm not sure we need two traditional RPGs on the console. I mean, we could basically fill it up with 20 if we want to, just RPGs, but and have them some quality RPGs. But, yeah, I mean, if they're just going to pick one, like we went through and we pretty much picked one just for our list, and we both agreed it'd be Final Fantasy VII for, I mean, just everyone knows what it is. I feel like everyone at this point has played it, and if you haven't, you should play it. It still holds up great. But, yeah, I think it really is really cool if they are throwing Wild Arms in there, too. We got They got both our number ones. Yeah, so clearly they listened, even though they announced Obviously. that probably two weeks before we released it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not going to hate on that. I was just, sevens, it's got to be on there. Uh, not much more to say about that. Number 10, I think we have to give it to Gran Turismo 2. There's very few racing games that I remember getting as much love as the Gran Turismo series as a whole. Gran Turismo 2 and 3 were very lauded when they came out, especially two. I think three, everybody was just so impatient that they hadn't got one in so long. They were just so hyped, uh, waiting for a sequel to two. Yeah, I mean, uh, Buddy Dell, I don't know how many, he put hundreds of hours into Gran Turismo 1 and 2, and like you said, neither one of us was really big on on racing games, especially the simulation-based racers. But this was the first series to do it, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yes, the original Gran Turismo. Did it. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. But, but I don't think I don't think the first one even holds a candle to the second one, especially no, according to a lot of fans. Tracks and yeah, the I remember even at the time they had the the Bleem came out on Dreamcast, basically where you could emulate PS1 games as like an emulator to play PS1 games on your Dreamcast, and everyone was super hyped because they emulated to play Gran Turismo 2 on the Dreamcast. How exciting. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, everyone has to get, every genre needs a little bit of love here. And Gran Turismo 2, 
I mean, it is a phenomenal game. Yeah, and I don't, I can't argue with Sony for wanting to put a Ridge Racer game on here. I haven't myself played Ridge Racer 4, and as Ridge Racer was Sony's baby right when the system got released, I can see why they'd want to put it on here, and it is, as far as I know, it's it's a much more arcadey experience than Gran Turismo is. Yeah, which probably, I mean, I'd probably enjoy more. It may, I don't know if it'd really hold up better or not, because... As long as a racing game controls well, regardless of what it looks like, I feel like it holds up okay. Yeah. But. You know, I think Gran Turismo 2, while I agree with you, I would enjoy Ridge Racer being on there more myself, Gran Turismo 2 has too much of a legacy not to have it on here. It's the it's the classic defining racing game on the PS1. Like, I don't have a ton of huge memories. I know I did play it at Dell's a decent amount, and I remember just basically because of, I guess, pretty much nostalgia, I ended up picking it up not too long ago, like within the past year, I found it for um, like three or four bucks somewhere. I'm like, well, may as well, I'm going to pick this up. Nice. I remember having a few good memories with it, so it was there complete, so win-win. When we talk about a list like this, neither one of us likes every genre of games, and we don't play all of the games. So there, there's going to be games on here that we're not super familiar with. I think we've probably played all of them at least a little bit, give or take one or two. But yeah, Gran Turismo 2 is one we definitely don't have a lot of experience with, but we remember the the hype behind it, the nearly perfect reviews that came out for it. Yeah, just yeah, look but, those up. Just type it in the good old Google machine there and put in Gran Turismo 2 review, and you'll see that he get 10 out of 10s, between 9 and 10 with every review period, and calling it like the greatest game of all time. All right, we'll move on to the next one. This one may be a little controversial, but it's definitely a classic that everybody needs to play, and that is Tomba. Now, Buck, this is one you spent a lot more time with than I have. I'm going to let you take this away. Yes, yeah, so Tomba, you were uh, basically a caveman. Has um, It's a 2D side-scroller with RPG elements. And you're a, a caveman with pink hair. It's super anime-inspired graphics. It still look really cool. And you're against these um, eight pigs. Eight, like, wizard pigs. And that I sounds remember. amazing. Yeah, I don't even remember what they're trying to do, either. Is If they, like, kidnapped somebody or they took your food. I don't remember the premise, Is it like but... Joe and Mac? Did they take your girlfriends? I don't think they did. I think it was more like your food or something. I mean, it would make... More sense the other way if they took your girlfriend. I think it was just your food. And now Tomba's going after him. All right. Yeah. <laughs> it already cool. sounds awesome. Yeah. Keep but going. Was, if anyone's played Joe and Mac, it is kind of like Joe and Mac, except it has RPG elements in there. So you take quests from different townspeople, and then you go through, and you may have to find, you know, uh, fetch quests to get a certain item, and you can equip different items and... It's been a little while since I've played it, but it makes a lot of platforming. I remember um, you could hit, like, someone with, like, your weapon you're using. I remember I used a mace a lot. So I could, like, throw a mace at their face, and you jump on their back, and you actually chucked a pig in another pig as a way to actually take people down. It was really, it was really cool. Hmm. And did you play much Tone Bud at all, or did you even play it? You probably own it. <laughs> Um, I actually don't think I own either one of them, to be honest with you, because it sounds, the way you described it, if we had ever talked about it in the past, I would have definitely played it, because it sounds amazing. <laughs> I know, I... No, legitimately, I, uh, it sounds like it's up my alley, though. No, it is, it's really cool. I mean, I own the second one, and I just ran the first one, and it was really cool. And I actually like the first one better than the second one, because the second one, they tried to go a little pseudo-3D, 
which is never, um, especially at the time, wasn't a great option. But yeah, I mean, it looks really cool. It plays well. It's actually on the PlayStation Store on PS3. You can still get it there for like five ninety nine. I need to do that right now. <laughs> and the game was huge too because, like, it had if you count all the side quests and everything. I know it had over a hundred different side quests and things to complete on the game. That's basically like a a side to side side scrolling platformer. It's even a little bit. I'd almost call it like. Sort of a Metroidvania, so maybe you should go buy it. I've heard people throw that up on lists uh, for Metroidvania games. I was like, um, I'm not so, so sure. I didn't know that it had all these these RPG elements in it, which gets me excited. I love side quests. I know you hate them. I do. And if you yeah. like the game, yeah, it's got to be. I'll love good. it more. So it sounds great. Yeah, I mean, it's got so, a, a pretty deep real. inventory. Everything is. Definitely worth checking out. And I wish that the company that made it was, uh, I don't even remember. It's like some studio that went out of business shortly after the second one had a really weird name, but I don't remember what it was off the top of my head. But I think they were even playing a third one, and then unfortunately they went under. So maybe in the future we get Tomba 3. Maybe. Well, maybe if they put one of these games on the classic, maybe Sony make it happen. I'll get more evil pigs. But they are wizard pigs, or are they evil wizard pigs, or are they Sordians? I don't know. <laughs> if we mix them with the Sordians from Tales of Destiny, that might be the greatest game of all time. I'm, I'm down. It's at least the best plot of all time. <laughs> and they're definitely evil, by the way. Evil wizard pigs. Oh, man, that's so complicated. Regular wizard pigs. That is compl- getting complicated now. But speaking of complicated, the next game we're going to include on this list Metal Gear Solid, a plot that I can't follow to save my life. But it was cool. Yeah, the first game was fantastic. It's still my favorite in the series. Metal Gear Solid, another one of those games that came out, and it just took the world by storm. I mean, I remember at the time there were people that didn't even like video games, period, that that loved this game. I mean, the graphics kind of look a little dated now, but at the time they were like, you're watching, it's like watching a movie. And as much voice acting and as cinematic as they made it, I can see why. I mean, it looks, seems a little ridiculous by today's standards, but yeah, that game is certainly epic. It'd be a good way to describe it. You know what would make it better if it was just a pachinko machine? Obviously. Yeah. If we could, I mean, I feel like there'd be some sweet, like, fusion monsters in Yu-Gi-Oh or something, too. Alright, that'd be pretty sweet. <laughs> uh, but no, yeah, Metal Gear Solid, it kind of, it was really just the best game for this stealth action combat, I guess. It kind of mastered it a little bit. I always enjoyed it because it, it always kind of defined your goals very specifically, the way the game was stylized and the way the soldiers walked around and the kind of like alert system that they used. I thought it was, it was pretty great. I never really liked that kind of genre of games before that. The original Metal Gear Solid definitely nailed it. The story was not quite as ridiculous in the first game as it was in all of the following titles. (laughs) I don't don't even know. I've had some of my friends try to explain it to me, and I just fell asleep. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was definitely... It was was unique. They tried a lot of cool new things, and it paid off in a big way. And like the the noises you still hear when you get spotted, the... Or whatever it is, and that was a Everybody pretty accurate representation there. 
Yeah, everybody knows what it is. It's iconic. You'll, really you'll see a lot of people have it as a text tone on their phone. Yeah, or just in random videos that have nothing to do with video games or anything. Just someone getting spotted. I saw it on a random YouTube video. So, well, well, that and I mean to say nothing of that. Just the fact that Solid Snake made it into Smash Brothers. Metal Gear Solid is a big franchise, and, and this was the game he that made started it in it all. For making it in was like easy to do. Yeah, he made it into. Was it Brawl? Was that the first one he was in? Yeah, it's the only one he was in before this one. Oh yeah, he that's right. Smash Four. So, so that's pretty huge. Yeah, Metal Gear Solid, definitely a a game for people that weren't necessarily necessarily gamers back then. And speaking of another unique game, I don't know if you have anything else to say about Metal Gear Solid. No, I mean it's another one on here that uh, is still a great game and holds up too, which is what we're saying about a lot of these, which is nice. Which is why they're classics. Otherwise, they wouldn't be on here. And the next one's going to be Parappa the Rapper, one of the absolutely most unique games on the console, <laughs> and definitely out of left field, and one that's kind of hard to explain. If you haven't played it, it's it's kind of like one of the very first mainstream rhythm music game. rhythm games. Yeah, you were just uh, was he a dog? Yeah, he was a um, he's a rapping dog. Mm-hmm. And the not, game he was cooler than Little Bow Wow too. Yeah, for sure. I just I just remember each level was like just a different music track and and rap that you had to hit certain buttons to while they were going through it. It scored you, and you had to do well enough to get through each level. And each level had kind of like a really crazy narrative along with just like the weird characters. I remember like I think you like learned karate or something. You went to a, a dojo. You were getting taught karate by like some onion or something. Yeah, it was I, really I, weird. It was uh, if you kind of mix. I don't know, like a music game with South Park. I feel like that's kind of what you'd get, and that's kind of the visual style is. Yeah, it's kind of like like each each character and each object is just kind of like its own piece of paper, or something like that. It's kind of it kind of looks like I don't know, kind of like a cel shaded, almost like Paper Mario kind of aesthetic going on. Yeah, and this was before any of that was even a thing. So kudos yeah. to Parappa the Rapper, Parappa, however you pronounce it. Pray Parappa, that would make more sense. Yeah, but it, well, it rolls better. <laughs> He's a rapper. But yeah, it was a super unique game. Definitely one of the first of its kind, and definitely, definitely one of those games that a lot of people who didn't play a lot of games they weren't they didn't get the Sony PlayStation for for the RPGs or anything like that. This was a game that a lot of people picked up. I remember one of my sisters had this game uh, along with some of these other ones that we've been talking about. And uh, while, while she definitely liked games, she didn't play a ton of them, and she didn't go too deep into the library uh, like me and Buck have, or like anybody who who loves the, the large library of games. But yeah, definitely unique, and one of the, the shorter games on here, and I also think it's multiplayer. Yeah, I remember, too, one thing I just want to bring up, I was talking to one of my buddies about this the other day, and we were just talking about... I got to play a lot of these games, and especially this one, um, by demo disc back in the day, which aren't even a thing anymore. I mean, sometimes you can download demos off, like, PSN or something like that, but I just discovered a lot of these games, for, for better or worse, on demo disc, which are kind of a was a unique, cool thing back in the day that kids growing up now will never know really existed, and I put way too many hours into certain games on demo disc, too. Oh yeah, why not? I mean, this game is is perfect for a demo disc. I mean, is, you that's get, the only way I actually played this game. I think that's the reason why this game blew up as much as it did. 
because I think it, it had that well-timed demo, and a lot of people were like, ooh, I want more of this. This is this is fun and different. Did you get a play through, like, the Karate Onion music video? I'm pretty sure it was the only yeah, one. That must be why I remember that. <laughs> Probably. We probably played the demo. I think there was, like, a, a cop that was, like, a moose or something, too, if I remember. I think, I think I've seen uh, pictures of that. Yeah, I don't know if I played through that level, but, yeah, pretty sure. Yeah, I I played through the game. The entirety of it. Oh dang! But, I didn't realize but that. I only did it once, because <laughs> then I had to get back to my RPGs. <laughs> so I didn't have enough time. But yeah, it was, it was a fun game, and I I like rhythm games to begin with. Uh, so it, it was right up my alley, and I think it definitely deserves to be on this list. If if not just for the fact that, I mean, it's its own unique experience. That it is. It's uh, still unique to this day. <laughs> And then let's see here. The next one I think we need to bring up got to be Siphon Filter. That was a pretty big franchise. Yeah, and that's another one I put a lot of hours into the demo, too. We're just talking about demo disc there. But, yeah, Siphon Filter was a pretty good shooter series by, I remember, uh, 989 Studios. I don't think they exist anymore. But, yeah, back in the day it was kind of the the opposite of Metal Gear Solid there where you just kind of sneak around and, Look to conserve ammo. Siphon filter is more just run and gun, kill everybody. You're basically like Arnold or Stallone or something versus trying to sneak around like Solid Snake. And they were definitely a lot of fun before the genre kind of blew up and everything was uh, first person and everything. Siphon filter was a good game. It was one of the very first really good third person shooters that I can remember. I'm trying yeah, to think of another one that came out before that. Can't think of a good one for sure. <laughs> yeah, I can't either. I'm sure there were a few out there, but as far as good ones go, yeah, not. But yeah, there good. were three on the console. I think the first and second one are considered the best in the franchise, though. Yeah, I have the first one. I don't think I have any others after that. But they were. I mean, I didn't put. I think. I think me and Dell beat the game back in the day, but. It's been a long time. I remember having fun with it, but it's one of the games I don't really remember much of anything about. I remember lots of advertisements for it in the magazines. ton of them. A lot like with Metal Gear Solid. Uh, it was a big deal, and the fact that it was... I don't think anybody's going to argue that it was the best third-person shooter on the, the console. No, and I think it basically exists mostly because of Metal Gear Solid. I think they kind of tried to piggyback off that and get that audience that was a little older and more mature that wanted that kind of um, subject matter in their games versus um, the Crash Bandicoot Spyro audience. Yeah, and I think that was part of why the PS1 was so successful. They took advantage of that way more than Nintendo did. Yeah, they just had the Crash Spyro audience, and that was it. Yeah. All right, and the next one? Sony has already included it in the list, and that's Tekken 3. Has to be on there. Best fighting game on the console. Easy. Hands down. Yeah, and I would say definitely still one of the... Uh, it's still actually one of my favorite 3D fighting games to play to this day, actually. Yeah, I, I mean... I have a lot more fun that, with that one than I do with maybe excluding the Tekken Tag series, any of the other ones in the franchise. Well, I guess to be fair, you probably put the most time into it. But I do think 4 took a step back. I think 5, 6, and 7 were all pretty solid. Oh, they're definitely good games, for sure. But uh, Tekken 3, like you said, I think that's the one I've definitely put the most time into. And, yeah, we just have 
hours would go by if there's three or four of us over, just passing the controller between them and let's go another round. Yeah, we can't forget the... Obviously, it's a great multiplayer game, so perfect for the two controllers. You've also got Tekken Ball and that sweet, sweet... Um, what was Tekken that? Tekken Force mode? Tekken Force mode, yeah. Yeah, chicken. It's like three games in one. It's got to be on air. Yeah, they have, they have Tekken Bowling in that one, too? Good question. I actually don't remember. I don't remember. When I think Tekken, I don't think Bowling, to be honest with you. That might be in Tekken Tag. Tekken Bowling was definitely one of them. Yeah, but yeah, and that's, cool, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and that's one of the best-looking games on the system, too. Oh, yeah. I'd argue it holds up. Yeah, as far as pushing the PlayStation the graphical limit, yeah. Tekken 3 definitely did that. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, one game that I'd say doesn't hold up well graphically, Tomb Raider. One that has to be on this list, one of the most famous series that came out of the PlayStation. Yeah, it's still the, the last one just got released a month or so ago, didn't it? Um, I actually don't know, remember when that one came out. This, that sounds about right. It was uh, finally, fairly recently. Yeah, thank goodness for the uh, last few titles in the series kind of bringing it back to form, even though it's kind of rebooted itself into a different genre. Kind of Uncharted 2.0 these days, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. But the the original three on the PlayStation 1, I think they're all supposed to be pretty good. I think they actually each got better. I I think the first one is uh, is probably a little archaic at this point, but Laura Laura Croft, uh, pretty much the first heroine of video games, maybe besides, like, Princess Peach and Dixie Kong, maybe. Probably. Yeah. But, uh, so basically the gist of it is everybody knows you're just going around kind of exploring, you know, ancient tombs, looking for artifacts, things like that. You're basically an explorer. I would say, like, I'd call it a raider. I'd say you're, like, raiding tombs. Oh, yeah, fair enough. Well, you're a tomb raider. (laughs) You're raiding tombs. But in the title... We did. We botched that one pretty hard. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to pick up on that. Like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you, you raid the tombs. Wait a minute. Uh, but as you can see, yeah, we we don't have that much experience with these titles. These weren't. These were not up my alley. No, I have probably put a combined thirty minutes between Tomb Raider one, two, and three. These don't hold up too well for me. Yeah, I remember being over at Dell's, and I mean, he would be playing it. I mean, he loved all three of them. Had them on there, and it seemed like. You'd have to get like a running start to make a certain jump, and you'd have to hit the ledge just right, and everything seemed like it didn't look like it controlled very well, and just didn't look very fun. But was was this one of those 3D games where your character, when they jump, they just like go like completely horizontal until they like hit a wall, and they didn't grab onto it? <laughs> I think or so. completely vertical. I shouldn't say horizontal. <laughs> They didn't just do the Superman onto a ledge. <laughs> that would be even cooler, but well, it, it would be. what but, Tomba did. <laughs> I, I, I'm just saying, well, it makes, it makes a little bit of sense in a 2D game. But I just remember 3D, like, jumping animations were I horrendous. looking just looking really janky and didn't look fun at all, but he was having a great time, so who am I to judge? That's right. But, yeah, yeah Tomb Raider's got to be on here. It's, it's one of the most important franchises on the console, I'd I'd argue they probably need to put the third one on here because it probably plays the best. I don't even 
have yeah, I don't you know experience enough to say. I I thought there was like I thought maybe the third one lost quality. I was thinking, but I could be way off there. So I I don't know. Yeah, I didn't think it was until the PS2 that it, they started losing quality. But then again, I don't I don't remember enough. Here, just put Tomb Raider 2 on there. Just be done with it. <laughs> I don't have any more to say about that series. They just got to have one. <laughs> All right, then the next one, uh, one of our favorites, tactical RPGs, and that's Final Fantasy Tactics. It's pretty much the the grandfather of this this series, the the best one. Yeah, just the the strategy RPG. I don't know what do we call it? Square panel series where every character is like a grid based panel RPG or grid based. Tactical RPG. Yes. There it is. <laughs> and still definitely one of the, the best ones of this day. The only one I would put up there on uh, personal levels, the first disc guy. I think I like that game a little bit more. I'd argue yeah. even uh, Final Fantasy Tactics Advance is pretty great. Except for when you're not paying attention, you get thrown in jail by the judges because you can't use Bolt 2 or something. They're weird rules. Mm, very specific situation to hate. <laughs> Not like it happened to me or anything, but... No, I remember you making that argument. Yeah, that game was really good, too, though, the the Tactics Advance game. Yeah. But no, I mean, Final Fantasy Tactics. Yeah, this guy, a complete, just came out on the Switch. I mean, one of these days I'll probably end up picking it up for, like, my fourth version of this guy one, but... You know, we'll see. Tactics really, really started it all... Uh, From a a quality standpoint, I can't remember. Did it come out before um, Ogre Battle Tactics? No, it didn't come out. Tactics Ogre was technically came out first on a Super Famicom Japanese Super Nintendo. But I think Final Fantasy Tactics may have come out in the States before before, uh, Tactics Ogre did. But I know the same people that worked on Tactics Ogre actually ended up working on Final Fantasy Tactics, so... Well, so they did learn a lot from their mistakes. You don't need to throw rocks at your friends to level up. That's not a great system. That's right. <laughs> well, yeah, I remember Final Fantasy Tactics is, was probably the first and probably the last game in this genre besides uh, Final Fantasy Tactics Advance that I really put a lot of time into. Damn, did I put a lot of time into it. You put a lot of time into it. <clears throat> yeah, I don't even think I finished it. There were so many... There were so many levels in this game. I think there was like 60 maps or something. And that was one of the games, too, where you could totally screw yourself over if you saved at the wrong time and you couldn't level your party up. Yeah, couldn't you, like, save in the middle of maps? I I don't remember if you could. I don't think you could in this one, but you could save before each fight, and you couldn't necessarily go train at certain times. Oh, yeah, that's fair. And that was very important because this game was brutal. Yeah, it was uh, not easy, and especially playing it uh, when we were fairly young and not understanding all the nuances of uh, strategy RPGs in general or having a balanced party. Yeah, I got to wipe the floor with me a lot. And I just overtrained, so I just overleveled all the content. I probably wasted so much time training that that's why I didn't finish the game. <laughs> that was pretty out. much par for the course. I think I was level 100 in Final Fantasy VIII before the third disc, so... If that puts anything into perspective. <laughs> but, you know, it was a lot of fun. Like, the the job system was great. I remember leveling up just a ton of jobs on all of my characters. And I thought the graphics were actually good, too, and I think they actually hold up. They do hold up really well. And, yeah, the job system might be the best it's been in any Final Fantasy game. It could be. Well, I think it's more important 
yeah, to the gameplay a, here. A balanced team and uh Yeah. Uh, they had so many jobs. They had a freaking mathematician with a job. I don't even know what they did. Did they like throw calculators at people and crunch numbers or what did they do? I never got that far, but Well yeah, it it was something like that. Like they would determine they would like lower statistics of the enemies. They would like they do like they do some like calculation. Yeah, I think they were just called like calculators. Nah. But yeah, they would do that, and you would end up like whatever the calculation ended up being, like based on their level and your level, you'd do like multiplicative damage to them or something like that. It was very strange. Yeah, they they tried a lot of a lot of cool ideas. Some of them better than others. But they also had all the uh, all those special characters that you could get from the story mode that were just broken. Yeah, I mean, you could get Cloud. I remember. Yeah, that was at the very end of the game, though, when he started at level one. But yeah, he was he was allowed to be broken. That made sense. <laughs> yeah, I never actually got him. I didn't either. Yeah, I actually played it, I think, more on the... I don't I think I actually did beat the original PS1 game, but I actually um got really frustrated and used the Game Shark to level up my people. <laughs> you did that a couple times. <laughs> so yeah. I think I did that with Tactics. Did you do that with Lunar at the end? One of the um, Lunar games? Lunar 1 I did, yeah. Because oh. I got oh. stuck. Because you get, that was a game where you could save at any point in time. So I was like, yep, I'm going for it. Frustrating. They should not allow that feature where you could totally screw yourself over and save anywhere, anytime, right before a boss fight that you can't back out of. It's very true. Fortunately, that's not as big of an issue with Final Fantasy Tactics, even though it can happen. And Final Fantasy Tactics is... I don't, I don't know if people hate it or love it, but Final Fantasy Tactics has one of the, the deepest stories in gaming, a lot of people say. I just kind of skipped it because it was too complicated. Yeah, like, was, I, didn't, uh, I didn't think care it was that great, honestly. No, I don't, I don't think it was either. I don't think it was told that well. It may know. have been a good story, but it didn't, like, I never cared about the characters, so I didn't really care what happened to them. And, like, to me, a good story, you have to at least care about the characters and what they're doing. And I didn't care at all about Ramza and that's it. <laughs> whatever the other red-haired guy's name was. Well, you know, I think the issue was all the other Final Fantasy games. They have kind of good character building. Like you, you know, like what kind of person they are. They have like characteristics. Like, hey, this guy's, you know, this guy's a a warm-hearted fellow. This guy's an evil douchebag. Yeah. Uh, and this in this game, I don't remember there being a lot of just like that. None of the characters like seemed like emotionally interesting. There was none of that sense of humor. It was very serious and to the point, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and that's the whole not thing Final Fantasy in not my book. In the best way, definitely yeah. not. Yeah. So I think that's part of why the story wasn't necessarily interesting. And they also just like throw you in the middle of this, just like this this war effort, and there's just tons of different conflicts going on, and it's hard to catch up the way they... Yeah, it feels like, like if you're just watching a TV series, like, you've never watched it before, but you start on season three. It's like, yeah. oh, okay, this is what we're doing. Yeah. Better get excited for political intrigue. <laughs> yeah, lots of backstabbing. Yeah, that's all I've got to say. But yeah, good game. Gameplay's awesome, job system's awesome, all the RPG elements you could want. Unlimited hours of gameplay you could put into that. I don't. Cube probably put 300 hours into that game. Yeah, I don't. I definitely didn't put that much. I think about 80 some hours into it. Yeah, you didn't even beat it, so it was pretty much par for the course for me. <laughs> That's true. All right, so next one, 
What number are we at? We're on 18. We only oh, got three nice. to go. Getting toward the end. Yeah. Yeah, the next one is going to be Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2. Good old Tony Hawk. And if anyone grew up around the time period of the late 90s, early 2000s, I mean, Tony Hawk was a bona fide phenomenon at that point. Yeah, skateboarding had never been bigger. That's yeah, everybody sure. was grabbing a skateboard and some Jenko jeans and trying to be the next Tony Hawk. And this this game allowed them to do that because otherwise they were just uh, scraping their knees a lot. <laughs> or worse. That's true. Yeah, but no, Tony Hawk Pro Skater, the whole series, except for probably a lot of the later ones, the the first four were, weren't too bad. Um, they definitely brought kind of like an arcadey experience and kind of freeform, they kind of recreated the freeform skating experience as it would be if you were actually partaking in it in real life without obviously having to put on your, your knee guards or whatever. But it was definitely really easy to pick up and learn how to play, and it was like immediately fun. I, I think that was the big draw. The most, one of the most fun games just that you can pick up and play just period. Like you just have a smile on your face after you pick up a Tony Hawk game because I mean my personal favorite is the third one. It's actually the only one I own, but we had some friends that were huge into these. It seems like most of the world was at that time, and I can definitely see why. Yeah, I mean they're just they're basically just like great like score attack games where you'll just you'll you'll pick a skate park, you'll you'll drop in for five minutes and just chain together as many tricks and combos as you can. And uh, they also had some collectibles here and there. But yeah, it was yeah, kind of just like short. Like, they'll skate on every level. It was one of them. Yeah, that's very Donkey Kong-esque. I don't, I don't yes, remember why they did that, but you probably unlocked like stages and things. This was back in the day of unlockables. So not DLC content. That's true. But yeah, it was just, it was just quick bursts of fun. Um, it wasn't open world, like probably a lot of people when they think about like some of the newer Tony Hawk games and like the skate series. It wasn't like that. You kind of just picked different skate parks, spent some time in there, uh, mastering your tricks, and then, I mean, it was pretty, it was pretty simple, and I think that's why it was really popular and it caught on. And you want to talk about good review scores? I mean, just go take a look back at the history books and all the ten out of tens this was getting too. I mean, Tony Hawk's two people were also calling up there with Gran Turismo two like a perfect game. Yeah, and I honestly, for what they were trying to do with it, it, it's hard to argue against that. It was a good game for sure, and definitely good for uh, more casual gamers. And it was there was a lot of content there too. I mean, if you wanted to really dive deep into it, you could play it for you know ten minutes, or you could play it for thirty hours. Yeah, and you could also play it with a buddy. Yep, definitely another good two-player player two. game. Could you split screen that one? Yes. Oh, okay. Yep. Got to have yeah. it on here then. So that's another one of demos, too, that uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, the original demo, I put a ton of time into. They said one stage, I remember, uh, played Superman by Goldfinger with a track that played every time to it. And I probably heard that song way more times than I ever would have before, but it kind of became just a classic just from that level. Yeah, there's, I don't really have too much more to say about that, but yeah, definitely a game that has to be on there. Yeah, if you're talking about PS1 and that era, you got to throw a Tony Hawk game on there, and two is way better than one. As speaking of uh, multiplayer games, another one we got, and that's Wipeout. It was basically like the next evolution of F-Zero after it came out on the Super Nintendo. Obviously not the same franchise, but 
very much in the same vein, just very fast-paced, futuristic racing, really. I mean, yeah, that's I mean, really the only way to describe it. Basically, it seemed like at the time, especially like 95 when this came out, I know it launched, it was also on that original um, disc demo that came with the PlayStation. It's one of the demos on there, and it was uh, seems super futuristic at the time. It's like they took uh, F-Zero and then put it in a 3D space, which, holy crap, is like, this is crazy. Super fast at the time, too. Yeah, I mean, the, the way they, I just remember the way they designed the, the tracks and the, the ships, the way they were designed, and and the way that, just the speed at which the background moved behind you, it just, it really did a good job of recreating that sense of speed with what little horsepower the PlayStation actually had. I mean, obviously it had a lot of horsepower for back then, but you can't recreate the same type of speed that you'd be able to on a current-gen console. So yeah, I mean, job there. it was a nice uh, visual trick there to make it look like, and it felt epic at the time, like, holy crap, we're going really fast, and this is futuristic, and this is really freaking cool. Yeah, much more arcadey experience. Uh, from what I remember, and I could be wrong, I don't think the original Wipeout games had any type of weapons or anything. I think it was just straight racing. I'm pretty sure you're right. I don't think that, yeah, I don't think there were weapons, but, I mean, I didn't put... Just, I didn't put much time in a whole lot of racing games in general. I, I don't think that there were... There, if there were weapons, there was like one thing you could do, and that was about it. It was probably just like a generic missile or something. Yeah, it could have been, but there there wasn't much. I remember the visuals just being just like sick at the time. If if nothing else, just for the the presentation that it delivered and kind of just the the experience that... I don't think that same sense of speed is probably going to hold up today. But I, you I know, definitely, probably not. <laughs> but I definitely think it's a, a a classic that needs to be on here. And it's definitely, like I said, it's, it's more arcadey than Gran Turismo. So it's a different kind of experience for different kinds of folks. And we got one more on the list. And I know, Buck, you were really pushing for it. To get, yeah, you were pushing for it. It wasn't quite on the list, but it made it. Yeah, I managed to get it on the list. I mean, I don't have much of an argument against it. I, I think it's a it's a quality game, and I don't think anybody's going to miss any of the other games that we took off. No, I don't think they will either. And if and not many people have played this too, which is really a shame. But if they had, they know why it's on here. Oh, for sure. And I mean, if they look at the eBay prices and see it's like probably two hundred plus dollars to get it anymore, which I mean, heads up, just go to the PlayStation Store on PS3 and download for like six dollars instead. But the game is The Misadventures of Tron Bolin, which was uh, basically just a spinoff of the Mega Man Legends series. And you played as the main antagonist from that series. You played as Tron Bolin. If anyone's played like uh, Mega Man Legends or Marvel vs. Capcom 2 or 3, then um, you'll know who she is. She's in the like green mech. She's kind of a comedy character, but the main bad guy of like, the Legends series of her and her brother. And she has all the little robots... Those little uh, cute little Lego-looking yellow robots called Thurbots that are by her side there. And uh, the plot of the game is her brother gets kidnapped by, like, Sky Pirates. And she has to come up with a ransom, all the ransom money to get him free. You do that by um, all kinds of different ways in here. There's just basically the game itself is a ton of different um, types of mission-based games. So... Um, like one mission, you might look to go rob a bank with all your serve bots, 
And then another one you might um, just go to look to, to dig up, like, buried treasure or something. And all the different gameplay types are super fun. And then another cool thing is you actually, like, kind of, you have 40 different serb bots, which is basically your team. And they all have um, really unique personality traits. Like, you'll see one of them says, like, he's lazy or another one's a hard worker and one of them likes to cook or something. And there's a little bit of, like, a, a simulation aspect where you have to kind of keep your ship in good running order and decide um, what serve bots you want to do, what action. It was just a really freaking cool game. It's one of the more unique experiences I've played, period, and it's it stuck with me probably close to 20 years um, after I originally played it, it's still a really fun game that I can still go back to and just have a good time with. Yeah, I didn't spend a ton of time with it, but I do have it on the PS3. It is a very fun game. Lots of lots of diversity, like you said. And I think it inspired the minions, because the serve bots are not unlike the minions. But... Yeah, that's true. I didn't even think of that. Except they actually do talk in, like, normal Oh, language. yeah, that's true. They do. And, well... They were so popular, they made it into Marvel vs. Capcom 2 as their own character. Yeah, and I tried to use them for a while, and they're atrocious. They are atrocious. Yeah, they're they're very, very tiny, and they're not they're not great for a fighting game. But it was still cool to have them. It was still definitely cool to have them. Yeah, no, it is, it is a very cool game, and I actually think... That was actually one of the later games in the console really generation. Until, like, 01, because I think around the time... I was getting my Dreamcast, it's around the time I got that game. Yeah, so it's actually one of the probably the most graphically impressive games on the console, I think. Yeah, and I mean it just looks awesome. Yeah, I actually think all three of the Mega Man Legends games actually hold up pretty well. Their graphical style's not bad. The first game the first game's controls don't hold up that well, I don't think. That's just my opinion. Although I played on the sixty four, it may be way worse. Yeah, I mean if you that's another reason I wish we had analog stick though. That would be a lot better. Right? But yeah, no, a game that, like you said, Buck, not a not a ton of people know about. But if you have played it, if you're a fan of the Mega Man series, oh, sure you've heard about it, sure you've tried to play it at least. Uh, definitely one of those lost gems for the console that I definitely consider a classic, and and one that, you know, it may be take it or leave it for Sony to put on here, but I think it, I think it's definitely worthy of a spot. Oh yeah, I mean for sure it should get another reason, like you said, just too many people have forgotten about it and never experienced it, period, and this would just be a good time to throw it in there and uh, get some limelight on it, get a little bit of spotlight. Maybe bring the price down a little bit. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Although I have the original one, so I don't know if I want that. Oh, that's, that's true. But you're not going to sell that. Don't even get it. Yeah, there's no way. Yeah. <laughs> Too important. So, Buck, do you have any other games that you didn't quite make the list, but you're just like, you know, those were those were good. Well, yeah, one I, was looking, one I was looking at and definitely would have put on the list, except I can't, would be uh, Monster Rancher 2. Yeah. yeah, the reason I can't put that on the list is because back in the day, you got new and random monsters from that game by putting any CD into your PlayStation, and then you get just a random monster, and there was a huge combination. So I don't know how many monsters were in that game, but it was more than Pokemon. It was a lot. Yeah, no, there was just something crazy about that. I, I don't think that game gets talked about enough anymore. Like, that was such a unique idea. Like, I don't even know who thought of that. They it were was, genius. Yeah. Yeah, and I thought that was probably the coolest thing about Monster Rancher. I don't remember necessarily digging a lot of the other gameplay elements of it. 
But no, and I remember one thing that sucked was your people would actually die after a while, which was kind of annoying and depressing. Oh, they died of old age? Yeah. Ugh. Okay. Wonderful. Yeah. R.I.P. Stupid Junior. Ah, uh, sadness. It was. But definitely, definitely a very cool experience. I remember going over your like bringing CDs over your place and doing that, see what we'd get. Yeah, throw, yes. throw some Creed in there, see what you come up with. Nothing, nothing worthy of all that Creed music I had. <laughs> I know that. Yeah, another one that we can't put on there either, which is very disappointing, and I definitely know that you're a bigger fan of than I am, but it's a lot of fun. It's the Point Blank series. They're not giving us a gun con with this, or whatever they, they called it back then. Yeah. Was it a gun con? I don't think it was. It, it might have been. I don't know. It's a gun from Namco. I don't remember what it was called. Whatever the Nam- Namco Blaster. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, exactly. but all three of those games were, there was three of them, right? Yeah, I have yeah. Point Blank 3 is the one I have. Yeah, those were a lot of fun. Yeah, especially in short bursts like that or something to be perfect for, like, the PS1 Classic, because uh, I don't think a lot of people are going to just sit down and play it for hours on end unless you're playing, like, Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, something like Point Blank would have been really good for it. Yeah, I miss not being able to use that gun anymore. That's a shame, freaking CRTs. Yeah, I, I, that, that game has been lost in history. At this point. Do they ever have one on the Wii? That always seemed like the perfect console for them to bring it back on. But I'm sure I it's probably a House of the Dead game, but... I mean, those were fine on there, but... I feel like Point Blank would have been perfect for, like, a Nintendo console. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of the audience and everything that you would have thought they would want to go for, just with the graphics and style and characters, but... I don't think they did. No, I don't think they did either. I don't remember when the last one came out. There's probably, there's probably one for, like, the DS or something, but I don't know how that would work. Because I remember I first played it back at the old Holiday Inn in the town we used to live in. It was in that arcade. The same that arcade was the best. Too. It was. It literally had, like, 15 games in it, but it was the best. <laughs> it would rotate them out and always get something cool in. That's very true. The arcade that we'll ever talk about. <laughs> well, <laughs> at least from our own town. Yeah, for sure. The only other one is like the movie theater. <laughs> and that, that was that crap. good. No. Yeah. So uh, another one that I always enjoyed, I always enjoyed the Bust a Move series. A uh, a fun puzzle game, almost more of like a reaction puzzle game. Yeah, a lot of people could think of, I don't know, it always kind of, Peggle always kind of reminded me of it, even though it's, the gameplay is pretty different. You just kind of, shoot different little colored uh, bubbles at the top of the screen, kind of like a match three or more, uh, get rid of the bubbles and try to clear the stage. I always had a lot of fun with that. I always liked the uh, the upbeat music, and I think that, that was a Taito game, I want to say. Yep, it was, because it used the um, Bubble Bobble characters were kind of yeah. mascots for it. I definitely enjoyed that, and you brought up one uh, before we started, and that was the uh, Bushido Blade series. Yeah, and that's still um, something that's really unique that no one's really copied since. And it's a fighting game where it pretty much ends your you have your sword or katana or you know saber whatever you want, and as soon as you pretty much get one hit in, that's it because you die more than likely after a hit. It may take a couple, like you may just um, lose like your ability to use an arm or something or start losing a lot of blood, but. It was a really unique fighting game that took a lot of strategy because there was a lot of almost one and done with it. 
And it was really cool. Yeah, they've definitely never done anything with it. I'd say, did they have one on the PS2? Then, uh, no, I can't the remember if they went. I think was the last one. Shame. They should have should have come out with another one. They should have done it on the Dreamcast. That would have been perfect. Yeah, exactly. Too bad. <laughs> we don't need new Soul Calibur. We need new Bushido Blade. That's probably true. Although the new Soul Calibur looks sweet. Looking it forward does. to that. We're now. probably going to get that. <laughs> and then I think one that has to be mentioned is Driver 2. I know that our friend Dell played a lot of that. He played way too much Driver 2, and that was kind of the the grandfather of almost GTA 3. It was kind of the first time you could have a, a driving game like that where you actually got out and were able to, you know do some stuff on foot, too, that I can remember. I was like say, I don't really space. remember doing stuff on foot, but I remember there was a lot of just, like, crazy uh, chase segments where you just had to get away from police or, you know, like, different crime bosses or whatever. It was definitely very fun and very uh, uh, high action. Yeah, I mean, I don't... I didn't personally play a lot of it. Like you said, our buddy Dell played... A lot of Driver 2, and I know it got really good review scores and stuff back in the day, around 2000 or 01. I think it came out toward the end of the life cycle, but yeah, that was a a game that was ahead of its time, I'd say. Yeah, and the uh, the review scores definitely reflected that. The magazines were a huge fan, as well as uh, the Tenchu series. That's where that kind of started and died, pretty much. I think they had one or two on PS2 also, but yeah, I mean, Tenchu, the first one was a lot of fun. It's one of the times where you actually, you play as a ninja in a video game and you actually feel like a ninja because you're actually sneaking around and not just trying to just go kill everyone like guns blazing. Yeah, it was more like a Splinter Cell game than a Ninja Gaiden game. Yeah, it was the most ninja I've ever felt in a video game. I'll say that. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's one they, have they... Announce anything about a new one coming out? I don't think so. I, I mean, I feel like that'd be an easy series to reboot. Yeah, you think it would be, but it probably won't. I thought I'd heard rumors about it like a year or so ago, but that always happens. And uh, a game of that of this vintage probably isn't going to come back. Although quickly. if it's going to come back this year, we've seen that anything can come back when Streets of Rage can pop up. So that's true. Get getting that Animusha. Yeah. Too. So bring it back. Okay, so I got a couple of other ones too. Uh, one of my favorite franchises from the PlayStation One is Fear Effect One and Two. It's a like a third person kind of like science fiction shooter puzzle game, if if you will. Um, it had a lot of interesting characters and a a nice cel shaded graphic style, and uh, it was mostly just. A mystery game in general. I don't, I don't really know how to describe it, but basically you're this you're this band of of mercenaries, and you get sent on a couple of these missions, and you get caught up in uh, a storyline that has you eventually, you know, like fighting against like beings in like a spirit world and things like that. It's got a lot of like uh, Chinese spiritual references and things like that. It's uh it's definitely very unique. Definitely unique for the first time. I think that the the lead characters were both ladies and they were lesbians. So that's unique in its own right. Yeah, it would probably get huge praise if it happened, you know, yeah. in this day and age. Back then it was just super edgy. 
It was super edgy. Yeah. A lot of teenage boys bought it for just that reason. Yep. But the gameplay was pretty quality, and the game was pretty hard. But uh, I enjoyed both of them quite a bit. I thought they had a pretty pretty interesting story going through, and I wish they'd release another one. I know there was murmurs of one going to be on the PS3 uh, many, many moons ago, and they just released... Um, I don't know why, but they, they released a game in the series on Steam like last year. It's called Fear Effect Sedna, and it's like a it's like a top-down isometric action strategy game. I don't know. Hmm. But they did not recreate the same Fear Effect gameplay that I was looking for, and it has very, very mixed reviews on Steam, so I'm saying as far away as possible to not taint the name. Oh, that's a shame. So they yeah. got one, and now it's it seems kind of sketch. Yeah. I'm, I was watching gameplay footage, and I was, I was just like, nope. Too much other stuff to play. Not for me. Yeah, I'll go replay the other ones. Because uh, clearly I need to, because I have a hard time explaining uh, what I remember <laughs> from them. I just remember just liking the, the dark, ominous mood of them, and I just remember the characters having a lot of uh, witty punchlines and things like that. Nice. Yeah, it's kind of like a cinematic, though, so. kind of like a third-person cinematic game. Yeah, you should. I think you'd probably like them. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it would be pretty cool. Yeah. So you got any other ones that you'd want to bring up? Um, one that a lot of people probably remember if you played RPGs around that time period from Sony would be Legend of Dragoon. And I don't think it... I mean, it was basically tried to be like their Final Fantasy clone, I would pretty much call it. The only unique part of it was uh, you basically got like Power Ranger-type armor, uh, for you and your regular character uh, transformed into your Dragoon version of yourself, you got a bunch of uh, fancy pants armor there for you to put on. And I do remember the the battle system was pretty unique. You had uh, had uh, perfectly timed button presses to do the most damage, which was really cool at the beginning and got really annoying later on. Yeah, it got really complicated. You'd, you'd basically start off, your characters would have like two to three button hit combos, and, and you'd have just like this, this meter in the middle of the screen telling you when to hit the button. But eventually they started becoming like, I don't know, eight to ten hit combos and they'd be really strangely timed and really strict. But yeah, it definitely, it, it kept the combat <laughs> interesting though. Like you, you couldn't just mash, mash X and win. You had to be engaged for better or yeah, worse. Is, I was going to say that's good and bad because I, I don't like a brain dead system. But I also don't like if I'm fighting random battles to have to, Make sure I hit the right button combinations at the right time, either. Yeah, and I, I, it's been so long since I've played that game. I don't remember like if random battles were like as frequent as a Final Fantasy game. I just remember they were in it. I know that for sure. Yeah, How yeah. I don't, I don't remember it annoying me, but yeah, the getting to turn into your dragoon alter ego was fun. Even though I really only remember doing that for bosses. And I think that's when you did it most of the time was those four boss fights, kind of like the Gears and Xeno Gears. Mm-hmm. And a, and one of those games with the classic death of one of the main characters. All right, Red Lavitz. Lavitz. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> we got replaced with Albert. What was that? That made me like so distraught that I didn't even. I didn't play. Actually, I did play a decent amount for that. Did you play long enough? No, oh, yeah, no, I finished it. You finished it. Yeah. Didn't Lavitz come back? I don't remember Lavitz coming back. I thought he came back. How how would he come back? 
I don't remember. I was thinking Lavitz came back, though. Maybe he does. <laughs> I really don't remember that. I don't know what I was thinking. But... Well, you may be right. We'll have to look that up later. Seriously, now now I'm curious. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's there's plenty of other PlayStation One games that we could put on this list. Uh, lots of lots of other games that I think are probably worthy, except for when your mom's calling you. <laughs> you get Maybe she has an opinion. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of other games we could have put on here, but I think we have a pretty solid list of what we put together here. I think we do too. I think it pretty much encapsulates what the PlayStation One. Uh, meant to, you know, the generation of consoles that it came out, the fans, the games that they remember. Like we said at the beginning, this isn't necessary, a, necessarily a list of the 20 our favorite games, because obviously a lot of, uh, a lot of RPGs would be on here. Probably too many for most people. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be harder for Sony to sell this to the mainstream, even though that was one of the defining factors of the console. But we included games that we thought definitely, you know, defined what the console was. I mean, that was really our generation of gaming, PS1, PS2 era. Yeah, that, it really was. The PS1, 64, Saturn, and then PS2, GameCube, and uh, Xbox. Yeah, so a lot of fond memories there, and it was it was more difficult than I think either one of us figured it would be to just trim it down to 20. It was more difficult to do this than it was to come up with the, the list of RPGs, which I thought would kind of be the opposite. Yeah. And as always, we'd like to hear what you guys you know, have to say about that, what you think should be on the console. It's coming out December 3rd. Is that what I said? Yeah, December 3rd. At the end of the year, 100 bucks, two controllers, 20 games. Let us know what you guys think should be on there. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a pretty good value as long as they pick some some good solid titles, some of the ones we've mentioned on here, and that's depending on how many games that they're going to come up with that I don't already own, they'll probably get my money. Well, as long as the internal memory uh, at least deletes itself once within the six months of owning it, it will really <laughs> recreate what I know the PlayStation to be. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think that's a feature that has to be at Sony. Listen to me. Do it. Right. It has to, has to erase itself. Have to have some crappy off-brand memory card that erases right. itself. We talk about that almost every other episode. That episode's still coming, guys. <laughs> yeah, just wait. Very excited about it. So, Buck, tell them where they where they can find us. Okay, we are on Twitter at BuckChuckGaming. Give us a follow there. You can tweet at us, let us know uh, what you think of the episodes, or if you have any ideas for potential episodes for the show. I know we got a lot coming up here in the pipeline. And we're also, you can listen to us on uh, SoundCloud and iTunes. And give us a review on iTunes if you would. Go ahead and uh, five stars, hopefully. If not, if it's less than that, go ahead and do that too and let us know. Yeah, other than that, anything else you got to plug? I don't think so. Did you already mention, you already mentioned Twitter, I assume. Yeah, I already mentioned Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah go, that, that's probably the easiest place to let us know what games you'd want on the PlayStation 1 Classic. We'll definitely be interested and we'll definitely, uh, Get you guys back up, let you know what we think of some of those games, because we have an opinion on most of them, except for yeah. Tomb Raider. <laughs> Let's so. see. We, like, which one's the best of the Tomb Raider series, then uh, we're going to have to get some outside sources there. Mm. Yeah, I'm probably just going to link the Wikipedia, Wikipedia page and ask you to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> the best I, I can do for you. Yeah, or outside resources. we got some buddies uh, that yeah. would be able to help out there. That's true. Yeah, but as always, I'm Chuck. And I'm Buck.
And you've been listening to the Buck and Chuck Gaming Connection. Thanks, guys.